Good morning. Today's scripture is from the book of Galatians, in chapter 5, verses 16 to 18 and 22 to 26. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. That was awesome. All right. I don't know that we've had a banana on stage like that before, or strawberry, or pineapple. So, hey, let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, thank you this morning for loving us so much that you died for us, even in the midst of our inability to keep your law and to keep your word. Lord, this morning, I pray that we'd see how we can become people that actually live for you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Welcome to Family Sunday. We're glad that you're here. Thanks for, uh, thanks for coming. Thanks for uh, making the effort to be here. I know you're going to have to wrestle your kids throughout the entire service. You're welcome. Uh, just, you just keep that in mind while uh, you, you think uh, other Sundays about how peaceful uh, you are while uh, listening to a sermon um, and uh, the great uh, child care workers, I guess they're not child care workers, they are servants of, uh, of the Most High God uh, by watching our kids during, uh, during service. So we thank you guys who have been serving there. We do this family service because, oh, number one, it's awesome, and we get to be a part of that. The band is pretty killer, right? Can we give them a hand? All right. Listen, uh, hey, uh, that's, uh, that's pretty dang good, and it's not just because I have uh, several kids in that band, but that might be part of it, and, uh, but the other thing is that just Ryan Haybig, uh, who's our uh, worship uh, pastor here at Outward Church, has been doing an amazing job by raising up talent and teaching the next generation. That's what our church is about. It's about leading the next generation to love Jesus and to use their gifts and to live outward, and so uh, we're excited about that. Um, just a, cu a couple things real quick. One is that we uh, started a church in Silverton. That church is running and gunning. It's going great. It's going awesome. We believe that we found a space uh, that will be open to us in November uh, to use because you might know this, that we are losing our current barn that we're in uh, at the end of September. Uh, at the beginning of November, we'll uh, have a new space, which is a... Uh, a wedding venue, uh, Lord willing, that will all work out. But I went and met with the owner the other day, and she was amazing and just said, I'd love to help you guys out. And so that service will actually be kind of outdoors uh, in a, cover, a covered area, but it will be outdoors. And so uh, that'll, be, that'll be fantastic. And then we'll have some indoor space for uh, the kids and stuff. So that's, that's going to be awesome. We're planning on uh, continuing with that. So we're excited about those uh, developments. Today we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit and what does it actually mean and what, it, what, is, what does this look like? Well, when I was a kid, a little kiddo, and uh, I, I grew up in a Christian home, 
I found myself unable to do what I thought was right. I found myself in a place all the time where I was like, I just cannot do what's right. I can't seem to do what's right. I keep doing what's wrong. I, I, I can't seem to um, uh, be a good person. And I was perplexed by this because I was like, man, I am a Christian, and yet I can't seem to keep the rules. And so that's uh, a huge problem for me because I was like, man, I'm not sure that I'm a Christian. And so this passage kind of explains to us uh, a couple things. One, how we are Christians, even in the midst of not doing what's right, but it also tells us how to start doing what's right. So kids, for the last several weeks, in fact, for the last couple of months, we've been telling your parents, you cannot get to God by doing good things. Like if you want to have a relationship with God and you want to be with him and you want to go to heaven and you, all of those good things, you can't get there by being a good person. There's nothing that you can do to make yourself acceptable to God. We've said that over and over and over again because the book of Galatians says that over and over again. You cannot get to God by doing good things. Now, the, the question comes up, now how... Of course, Christianity does believe that we should do good things, but there's a reversal here. The wrong way to look at Christianity says this, uh, I do good things in order to get God. The right way to look at Christianity, the right way to look at Jesus is this, I get Jesus in order to enable me to do good things. I don't do good things in order to get God, I get God in order to change my life as a result. But there's a battle that's going on inside of each and every one of us. When you become a Christian, what happens is this, is that Jesus sends his Holy Spirit and he lives in your heart. He comes in and he lives in your heart. And as a result, what happens is this, is that there is a huge battle that's going on in the heart and in the mind of every Christian person. There is a battle that's going on there. Now there's also kind of a conscience battle that goes on inside of people who are not Christians. And that battle is different than our battle. What happens with someone who's not a Christian is that they know, the, they know some rules that they should keep, and they know that they can't keep them, and so what happens is this. Either they have to wipe out the rules and say, I don't think the rules really are there, or they have to be really sad all the time because they can't seem to keep the rules. When we get the Holy Spirit, because we've become Christians, when we have the Holy Spirit, what happens is this, is that now he changes us internally. He changes us, and it's kind of like flipping a switch. I don't know if you remember this movie, Toy Story, uh, the first one with Buzz Lightyear, I think it was the first one with Buzz Lightyear, <clears throat> where uh, Buzz Lightyear somehow got his uh, language changed. Like, anybody remember this at all? Where Buzz Lightyear, he's in the nursery, and something happens, somebody hits the reset button, and Buzz Lightyear is all of a sudden speaking Spanish. And it's hilarious. If you haven't seen it, you need to watch it. I love watching these movies with my kids because it's so hilarious. He starts speaking Spanish. And it reminds me of a time that some, uh, someone gave us a novelty mustache, a, a very thick black mustache, and it kind of it looked Hispanic to me. And so I'm sitting there with my kids, and so I, I put on this uh, mustache over my mustache, and it's very thick and black, and I just started speaking uh, Pig Latin or Spanish. Hola, mi nombre es Ricardo Monteblan. Yo quiero lots of mantequilla and the, el baño es cansado. And the kids are dying laughing and I'm dying laughing as well. And all of a sudden I sniff 
and part of the mustache goes up my nose and into my lungs. So I'm immediately coughing and hacking, just like, then everyone's laughing, and I'm trying to stop laughing, and I'm coughing and choking, and pretty soon I was about to barf. And I think I, I had to go into the bathroom and all this stuff because I had inhaled part of a mustache because I had put this on. It was like, I was basically saying to the kids, I have changed immediately. This is kind of what happens, although the spirit doesn't give you a mustache or change your language to, to Spanish. So it's really completely different, but it was a funny story. Uh, so, here's, so here's what happens. When you become a Christian, what happens is this, is that Jesus sends you the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit resides in you, and now you have two opposing forces. If you look at verse 17 with me, it says this. For the desires of the flesh, that's the bad desires, that's what our body wants, are against the spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For they are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Now, the desires of the flesh are keeping you from doing the things you want to do of the spirit. Here's what happens. When you become a Christian, what takes place is this, is that you go from somebody who only wants to do what the body wants to do and yet can't seem to fulfill doing anything good. Now, Jesus comes in and he changes your desires. Now, your actions haven't changed. You, you haven't stopped hitting your brother. You haven't ha you know, stopped smacking people around. You haven't uh, stopped getting angry at Democrats or Republicans or whatever it is that you kids do these days. Uh, but... <laughs> uh, <laughs> But uh, what happens is this, that when you get the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden, your desire for good, your desire to bear fruit, that's the good things from God, comes alive. And now you have new desires in you. Now the Holy Spirit is there to try and keep you from doing, uh, I'm sorry, the Holy Spirit is there to, to help you to do the things that you actually want to do. Jesus changes your desires. But people today don't like this idea. People today do not like the idea of this teaching. Many people today want you to know and understand and believe this, that you should do everything that your body wants you to do. Our world is telling us that. Do what your body wants you to do. Act however your body tells you to act. Love whoever you want to love. Um, take whatever you want to take. Be whatever you want to be. Do exactly what your body tells you to do. This is a real difference, especially parents, men and women, uh, people who aren't parents, single people, whoever it is. You must hear me on this. The world is trying to tell us that you should do exactly what your body wants to do. The teaching of Christianity is different, and it says this that those are the desires of the flesh, and they don't actually bring happiness. The world says, this will bring you ultimate happiness. You will be the happiest that you could ever possibly be if you do exactly what your body tells you to do and tell everyone else to agree with you that this is what you should do and tell everyone else that they're jerks if they don't listen to you. But that's not real happiness. That's fake happiness. That is a fake happiness that's brought about through a great problem that we have. And the great problem is this, is that all of us have this sin nature. All of us have these desires of the flesh without Jesus. Where did that come from? Do you guys remember the story of Adam and Eve in the garden? 
Adam and Eve were in the garden. God gave them one rule. He said, don't eat of this fruit, of this tree that's in the middle of the garden, or else you will die. And what did they do? They went and they took that fruit and they ate it. And as a result of Adam and Eve's sin to become like God, to become God in their own life, to say, you know what, I get to decide what's right and wrong. My body gets to decide what's right and wrong. What happened was this, was that because of Adam and Eve's sin, all of us have become sinful. All of us have a sin nature now. All of us have this sin nature. Our world hates this idea. Our world wants us to believe that everything you want is good and you should just act on it. Here is the great problem with this. Our world shows the signs of distress. Our world is showing all of the problems with that today as it crumbles around us. What is the answer to this? How do we uh, fight this battle? Well, what the Apostle Paul tells us is he says that there's works of the flesh, that's the bad fruit, and then there's the work of the Spirit in your life. So the bad fruit, we didn't really read it today because we didn't want you to have to answer weird questions when you got home today, parents. Uh, but the bad fruit is this. There's bad fruit, which is what, do we, what we do with our body, how I use my body. We're talking about intimate issues here, if you get my drift. How we use our body in whatever situation. The world says, go ahead and do bad fruit. Go ahead and do those things. What the Apostle Paul is telling us here is that these are just desires from in us that are wrong. They come from Adam and Eve's sin, and as a result, all of us are sinful. So it's what we do with our body, who we love, how we love, when we love, how often we love. The second thing was this, what we worship. What are, what are we worshiping? Are we worshiping the true and the living God, or are we worshiping ourselves as God? Our world wants you to believe that you are God and that you get to determine what's right and wrong. The problem is this, is that God is the one who is in charge and he is the only one who gets to decide what is good and evil. So he says, don't worship these other gods. You could also make something else a god, such as like good things, like toys. Uh, you could make your house uh, your God. You could make your investment portfolio uh, your God. You could uh, make your lawn your God. Uh, you could make uh, your standing in the community. You could make all kinds of things your God. Don't worship other gods. And then the third thing is this. It's how we treat other people. This is another example of bad fruit. This is how our sin nature uh, lives how we treat other people, how, how we are in relation to other people. The Apostle Paul names a couple things a little bit later in that verse when he says he calls it strife. That's just like general like fighting, anger, uh, jealousy, being jealous of someone else's stuff. It's uh, fits of anger, like this rage and throwing a temper tantrum. There's, there's rivalries, like competition with other people. Uh, there's uh, disagreements, there's division, uh, people being separated from one another, there's envy, there's all kinds of things. And so we have to ask ourselves, these are the things that we find ourselves doing all the time. I just spent like five hours or probably more in the car with my entire family uh, going on a road trip. And I think every one of these, except the drunkenness one, uh, was, uh, was exhibited in our car uh, on the way uh, to that. So the, 
works of the flesh are alive and well in our home and in me as well. And so the Apostle Paul says, we don't want to produce bad fruit. We don't want to produce those things that come from our, uh, uh, the, the works of the flesh. We want to produce good fruit. And so he talks about the good fruit in verse 22. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, that's a long list that I as a person, have really disliked for a long time. I don't like that list because when I read that list, I have to go down the line and say, am I loving? Am I gentle? Am I whatever? A lot of times, though, we look at this list of fruits, we call them. We look at this list of fruits and we go, you know what? I'm a pretty loving person. I'm, you know, actually, I'm, I'm kind of a patient person. I do really good with this one, but the other ones I don't do so good with. The only problem is this, is that you can't be loving if you're not also gentle. You can't be faithful if you don't also have goodness. Uh, you can't be uh, peaceful if you're not also kind. So what this is actually saying here is it's not the fruits of the Spirit, it's one fruit that are all together in one thing. This is what it looks like to have the Spirit of God working in our lives. Now, Tim Keller gives us some great uh, comments on this. He says, uh, for love, he says it means to serve a person for their good, not for our good. Loving means loving someone for them, not for us. See, you can be a really loving person, and really, the reason why you're a loving person is because you just deeply need love in a way that maybe... Other people don't because you lacked love as a kid or whatever it is, and so now you're really loving of people, but it's not motivated by the Spirit of God. It's actually motivated by a desire to be loved back, and so it's not for that person that you're loving. It's really for you. When the Spirit of God comes in your life, what he does is this. He frees you from having to love in order to be loved because you've experienced the love of God. The most extreme and wonderful kind of love that you can have is God's complete and total approval of you. We'll go on. Joy, it means to delight in God. But really, Christians oftentimes can have this kind of fake joy. We have this fake joy because I've made all the right moral decisions, I've done a bunch of right things, I'm faithful to my job, I show up on time, I got some pay increases as a result, my family's going well because of all of, uh, all of the things that I've been doing, I've made enough money, this is white middle class American Christianity that we are joyful because life is going well for me, but then what happens as a result when turmoil comes. See, you don't know if you have joy in Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit until you have joy in the midst of suffering. You can have fake joy based on circumstances, but you can have real joy in any circumstance. The third one is peace. You can have this sense of peace that comes from the Holy Spirit, meaning a confidence and rest in the wisdom and control of God. Man, we need that today. Kids, I don't know what, you, what your school... Uh, situation has been like, you've been wondering, are we going back to school this year? Are they going to close school after day one? 
Are they going to make me wear a mask? The answer is yes. If you have to ask that, yeah, it, the answer is always yes. They're going to make you wear a mask. They're going to. Am I going to see my friends? Am I going to? You can have all of this stuff going on. And and parents and 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 singles here today, maybe you also are experiencing a lack of peace. The Holy Spirit comes and brings us peace in the midst of turmoil. But it's not indifference, it's not apathy. There's patience and kindness. I don't have time to go through all of this stuff. Kindness and goodness, which is integrity. There's faithfulness to loyalty, courage, to be utterly reliable and true to your word. There's gentleness, which is humility, which is self-forgetfulness. See, gentleness, a lot of times, can look like it is a really great trait. But a lot of times, people who are gentle are really j just feel inferior. They really just feel like, you know, I'm not really that great of a person. I'm not really that, um, that talented at this particular thing. I'm, my family life isn't that great. I don't make enough money. And there's an inferiority complex. And you can look at your gentleness and you can say, see, I've got one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And the truth is it's not driven by the Holy Spirit. It's driven by you self-loathing and disliking yourself for some reason. When the Holy Spirit, kids, if you'd hear me on this, when the Holy Spirit comes... What happens is this, is you don't have to look down on yourself in order to be humble or gentle. When the Holy Spirit comes, you get a supernatural gentleness that comes. I couldn't help but think during our political climate today, I'm speaking to the parents right now, how much we all need to read over the fruits of the Spirit, or the fruit of the Spirit, I should say, and just say, are these things evident in my Facebook posts. Are these things evident in my conversations about political leaders? Are these things in my head as I see someone who I disagree with because they are or are not masked, vaccinated, whatever? Are these things evident in my life? How do we see the Holy Spirit begin to change our lives? The first thing is this. Look at verse 24. And those who belong to Christ Jesus. Just stop right there. The first thing that you have to do is you have to remind yourself of this. I'm... Just because I'm not exhibiting these traits does not mean that I do not belong to Jesus. The way to, to have an indicator as to whether I belong to Jesus or not is what, is, what is my real desire? My real desire is to honor God. My real desire is that. I just find that I can't necessarily do it. That's an indicator. But it, what, when you understand that, what you need to remind yourself of this is I belong to Christ Jesus. Boys and girls, you belong to Christ Jesus if you have received him by faith. If you've trusted in Jesus Christ 
to save you from your sins. You belong to him, and he's not taking it away no matter how bad you are at the fruits of the Spirit. He loves you. He loves you more than your parents love you. I told my, one of my kiddos that, and they got really sad. You don't love me as much as Jesus? And I, was, I, I didn't mean it like that. Like, Jesus is powerful, and, he could, and I couldn't explain it. But Jesus loves you more than anybody could ever possibly love you. You belong to him. You'll never begin to show the fruit of the Spirit until you are able to be convinced that you belong to Jesus Christ. You are his and he is yours. He lives in you by the power of your Spirit. There is nothing that can change that. The second thing is this. You've got to remind yourself that when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, what happened was this. Amen. Amen. Uh, you have, look at what it says here. You have already, it's already happened. That's what the words mean there. When you became a Christian, what happened was this, is that you crucified, this is the only place that it really says this. You did something. You crucified your sin on that cross. That's what repentance is. Repentance says, I'm putting my sin on the cross. I'm putting my sin on that cross and I want that sin to die. I want it to go away. What is Paul saying here? He's saying, you belong to Jesus and you've already crucified the flesh. You've already done this and so don't take it down off the cross and start to say, you know what? Maybe I should do that. A commentator named John Stott says, when you crucify something, it has to be pitiless. When somebody gets crucified, this is kind of ugly language here for just a second, but when someone gets crucified, that's a horrible act. You're supposed to be that vicious with your own sin. It's pitiless. The second thing is, it's painful. Guess what? When you say no to your body, you will experience pain. Your body says, I must have it. The world is saying, you have to have it. Everything about you, everything around you, everyone's doing it. I don't know what it is. Everyone's doing it, and it's painful because you get left out, because you don't get to feel good the way that you wanted to feel good, because whatever it is, it's painful. Expect the pain. Many Christians have not come to the point where they've understood this. Many people believe this. Well, I just know that God just wants me to be happy. God wants you to be holy. And he made you holy through Jesus Christ. Our happiness comes as our holiness begins to grow. As we give this sin away, we put it on the cross. We're pitiless with it. We, are, we allow it to be painful in our lives. And we allow it to come to a complete death. That's what John Stott says. And so we have to crucify it. But Tim Keller says one more thing. He says... Really what has to happen is as long as you are only dealing with the thing that I did, like I stole something or I hit somebody or I, what, or I said something angry to somebody. Let's just use like today's lingo. You know, everything that we're dealing with right now with all of the, the, the fighting, the dissension, the political stuff, the pandemic stuff, the this culture war that's happening and all of this stuff. Think about how you sin against other people. 
Think about how you do not exhibit the fruit of the Spirit in gentleness and peace and kindness or whatever. And we have to think about this. It's not just that act that I need to consider. It is why I ever did that act in the first place. Why did I do that act in the first place? It may be because of this. Because I really find my meaning and value in being right in all of these situations. Or it may be this, I find my meaning and value in believing that I have ultimate freedom and no one can stop me. Here's the problem with that. You don't have ultimate freedom to do whatever you want according to your body. It says we do have freedom in Christ, but to say that I have American freedom is to neglect the idea that you belong to another kingdom. You have to ask the question, why did I ever hit that person to begin with? Why did I want to hit them? Why did I want to say something angry? Why did I want to be unkind, unloving to my spouse? Why did I, what is underneath that? Until you get to the motivation behind what you ever did in the first place, you will never really come to a point of resolving that stuff. You have to deal with the sin that's underneath the sin. And so what does that, what does that look like? It looks like asking yourself, why do I want this? Why do I want this? What am I believing right now that's telling me that I must have this in order to survive? Who am I listening to? This passage talks about walking in step with the Spirit. It talks about, one other, keeping in step with the Spirit, saying walk, walking by the Spirit and being led by the Spirit. It's by the Spirit, walking, being led, all of that stuff. Many people today have gotten out of the habit of being a part of the church because they can watch it online. And I need to tell you something, that your ability to walk in the Spirit doesn't come from you watching a screen, but it comes through personal contact with the body of Christ. Stop believing that you can have relationship with God, that you can walk with the Spirit, that you can be led by the Spirit in isolation in your home by just watching uh, a TV. That's wrong. That's not true. It must happen in the context of community. Boys and girls, this is what this means. This means engage in the local church. If your parents say, no, we're not going, just say, yeah, we are. I wanna go to whatever. Just bug them. They will come eventually. They will get tired of you bugging them and they will come to church. But you should engage with the church. You should get into a group of friends at your school who know and love Jesus and want to walk by the Spirit. You're encouraged to walk by the Spirit when you're in community. When you're around people, when you're listening to the word spoken to you, when you ask for prayer and you say, here are evidences of the works of the flesh, of my sin nature, of, of all of this bad fruit in my life, and I want to resolve that. And let somebody from our counseling ministry speak to you and say, what is the root behind that bad fruit? What is the problem here that's going on? What's motivating you to live like this? If you want to walk by the Spirit, you're going to have to be around Spirit-filled people. You're going to have to engage. Engage with a local church. Begin to serve. 
That's another thing that's, that's happened over this season through, through COVID. Many people have come to a point where they're, they're, they're enjoying their freedom because lots of things got canceled. They're working from home. And now it's like we get a little bit more. We get a little bit, and then it's like, I just want more. And now I, I'm very protective over my time. And now I can't be inconvenienced for the gospel. But here's what happens when you come to the church or when you go to a community group or you uh, are engaged in serving in our community in some way, you're with other people in that sense. When you join a, a team that serves here, you are entering into a community. It's not just about you serving kids or walking around the parking lot during this, but it is about saying, you know what, I'm a part of these people and we're serving Jesus together and they're gonna rub off on me and I'm gonna rub off on them and hopefully we're gonna be led by the Spirit to walk in the Spirit and to produce the fruit of the Spirit. You can't do it outside of engaging with community, engaging with the word of God, engaging in prayer with other people, knowing them and being known. Let's go to communion, guys. Can we, uh, I, I, I think I caught our ushers off, a, a little bit off guard. I think they were anticipating a longer sermon. I could go longer, that's totally fine. Um, but uh, so here at Outward Church, what we do every week is we take, uh, partake of communion and we, uh, we uh, take that together. We kind of emphasize uh, the sermon through that. And so communion this morning is really just about this. It's about our acknowledgement that Jesus went to the cross for us and it's our acknowledgement that I belong to him. He proved it by going to the cross. And so would you hop up and just grab uh, communion just like I'm doing here? And just hang on to that for a minute, and we'll, we'll take it together. As you, as you sit back down, would you mind bowing your heads with me? And kids, I, I, I want you to listen. I want you to listen here for just a second. When we come to the Lord's table, when we go to take communion, we have to look at our lives. We need to look at who we are. Communion is an opportunity for us to say sorry again to God. And it's to say sorry for specific things. It's to say, God, I know that I don't always do what you want me to do. I know that I did this last week or that last week. I confess it and I see it as something that's coming from my sin nature. But you can also remember this. 
you can say, but Jesus, I know that you went to the cross for me. I know that you went to the cross for me and you died for me. And I know that I belong to you as a result. So Lord Jesus, I'm asking you to help me remember that you died for me and that I'm yours forever. And Jesus wants you to know this this morning. He wants you to know that he loves you intensely. He loves you so much. He loves you when you do bad. He loves you when you do good. He loves you when you're sad. He loves you when you're happy. He loves you no matter what's going on in your life. He's not letting you go. And then he says this to you. He says, the cracker that you have in your hand represents my body. It represents that I gave my body because of your body's sinful desires and ultimately because I love you so much. He says, this is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake of the body of Jesus. And he says, just so that you can know this so much, just so you can know how much I love you, my blood was poured out and I gave up everything. I gave my life for you. This is my blood which was poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake of the blood. Lord Jesus, I pray for those here this morning that are just struggling with their sin, that are struggling with, with their lifestyle, that are struggling with all kinds of things. Lord, I pray for that young man that says, I don't think he can forgive me for this. Lord, I pray that you would allow him to see your intense love for him. He'll never get out of it until he sees how much you love him, even in the midst of his sin. For that young woman that believes that she could never be loved that way, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would show her this. Lord, for those of us that have been Christians for a long time, may we remember again that the fruit of the Spirit is not just a kid's song, but it is the working of you in our lives. Lord, may we strive to experience you by being led by you, by people who are led by you through your word, through community, Lord, through song, through music. Lord, may we be led by you to live for you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's continue to worship.